0: Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast from the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. On today's special bonus episode, Pastor John Fullerton has a conversation with our guest, the Rev. Dr. Greg Ogden. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: Well, hello everybody, Uh, this is John Fullerton. I'm joined by uh, Dr. Greg Odgin, whom I will introduce in just a moment. But this is a special bonus episode of the Armchair Preaching Podcast and uh, Pastor Zach, as we speak, is in California and he just graduated with his Doctor of Ministry degree yesterday and he will receive his academic hooding ceremony on Friday, this upcoming Friday. So uh, Dr. Odgan is here this weekend and um, and uh, Greg Odgan is the, um, he is the currently is in redeployed and not retired but redeployed and uh, working in a, a group called the Global Disciples. Initiative, and they train the pastors and church leaders in what it means to create indigenous multiplying networks of of disciple-making Christians, literally all over the world. Um, Maybe get to say something about that in just a moment. But the reason why I'm connected to him, and the reason why he's here in this church, is because when I was going through my doctor ministry program, he was the chair of the doctor ministry program for Fuller Theological Seminary, and he and uh, one other professor taught a class that I took, which is a tremendously helpful class, um, on disciple-making, being a disciple-making church, and uh, I took that class with him. It was very, very impactful uh, for me. So he was an adjunct professor uh, there as uh, well as an ordained Presbyterian minister and has served churches for uh, a number of years uh, in, in the church life as well. So let me just say uh, to you, uh, Greg, welcome. I'm glad that you're, uh, you're able to be uh, not only part of this church this weekend and meet some of the people of this church this weekend, but now you're able to join us for the armchair preaching.
0: Thank you, John. It's great to be with you. We've had a great weekend together.
1: It has been uh, has been great, and that's actually what I wanted to start to start with uh, talking about you. This is a, a podcast that deals with uh, the preaching moment and uh, often unpacking the the sermons that were were, uh, were preached on a particular day, and we try to have some topic at the beginning that is related to that uh, of, of interest to that, um, and and in this case, this is something that's I think new for us for the podcast. What's it like? to you you've preached in churches and you know what that's like to look out and you know all the names and faces in, in that church you've done that for, for years and years but now you're coming in as a as a as a guest preacher and you had a little bit of a experience with some 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 of our folks yesterday but you still for the most part we're coming into this place cold what is that experience like for you as a as a preacher and does it how does it affect uh does it affect how you prepare your message for
0: the day Wow, that is a very interesting question to, to ponder in terms of how that uh, preaching to a group of people that you don't really know in terms of... Uh, you know, part of that it varies, I think, in terms of circumstances, uh, in terms of how much I well I know the people who are leading the church and what the emphasis of the church is. So obviously coming here, I knew your focus was on disciple-making. This is what you're committed to. You're, you're leading the charge. You're out front about that. And so it sets me free to be able to speak more boldly uh, about the various topics that I was called to do. So I I think I felt more set free in this context Mm. because sometimes um, the leadership of the church that brings me there is not quite as out front or willing to own it uh, as I've heard you own it in terms of the mission of the church being to make disciples and how we go about it. So I think uh, as I monitor myself with that and my preparation for preaching today, uh, I think I was willing to be more direct, more pushy, <laughs> in a sense, um, because of uh, of your leadership. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There were several moments where you laid it out there for the congregation. Yeah. you said, "If, if th- this," and you did it yesterday as well. That that this is the job of the church. Yeah, let's make no mistakes about it.
0: Right and yours you and, know and and, uh, and you get a, get an alignment with it yeah know.
1: yeah yeah and you might have you might have checked that back a little bit in, an, in
0: another setting yeah and i i, I know when and certain phrases sentences i wrote for this i was more direct
1: mm-hmm. nice yeah. nice well you had an unusual day today for, even for us it was a bit unusual because uh, we had you in the 8:15 service and then uh, we have two simultaneous 10:30 services. You preached at the beginning of one, and then you preached at the, at the end of the, of the other. Was How was that experience, did you, did you feel that, or you were just comfortable being shepherded from one place I, I to the was,
0: other? I was pretty comfortable, uh, yeah. being able to move from one location to yeah. the next, um, to be able to be at the contemporary service, or, at the, uh, or more, uh, the modern service, I guess it's called, uh, early on, and be able to jump right up and get in, involved in that the contexts of course are very different so uh, with the modern service where you are feeling a little bit more connected to people because the people are more are closer, closer. to you uh, that's something I, I appreciate I'm always trying to close the gap in terms of the physical presence uh, with how close people are the more traditional service where you're up in a higher pulpit you're, you' feel like a greater distance away mm. you I feel like you have to kind of work harder at making the connection with people and uh, you know just I don't, I don't know. Extend yourself out, maybe more animated. Um and probably was more animated in that in that context because of wanting to make the connection in the traditional service that where people are. You're up in a higher pulpit. People are out there at a further distance.
1: Yeah, and in, in the in the classic service, you're you're literally in uh, in a box up right. there. You, yeah. you if you, you can move around and you did. I, mean, I know you came down at the end of the yeah. classic service, which was great. Uh, but most of the time, you're up in a box. You can't move from side to side. No. Uh-huh. And uh, so it is just, a, and you're higher, you're elevated. A lot yeah. of that, most of that, has to do with sight lines, so you can you can be seen yeah. uh, throughout the church. But, but it's a different experience. It's, it's a different vibe in each room.
0: Yeah. And I'm just reflecting on one other element. That's just maybe a small thing, but uh, to, to preach without my without the robe on, even at the traditional service, it's a lot more freeing for me. I don't know, it's just <laughs> the, the the physical nature of a, of, of a robe in a traditional service, so the, doing that in the, in the modern service, uh, I just felt freer with that. Yeah. We had the early service at 815, the traditional service wearing wearing the robe, and it feels more confined to me. I don't know, yeah. it's just yeah. the way that it yeah. works, um, and so I, I did monitor a sense of the difference
1: uh, we were blessed to have you here today, and uh, not not only to teach the seminar yesterday, but to preach all three of the, the, the services. and uh, And I'm looking forward to the feedback. Is it's one of these things where I have said because I've lived this since we, I took your course, and and certainly as a student of the Scriptures and seeing this as the truth that Jesus embodied and taught, I've sort of lived this in my in my ministry. Uh, but it's one thing for me to say it week in and week out. Uh, year in and year out, it's another thing from, to, to bring the guy in from California mm-hmm. to stand in front of everybody yeah. and say the same thing. All right. And I think it got heard differently today. I was I was even hearing it differently, and I've heard it, I heard it yesterday,
0: <laughs> and I took your course, yeah. and I was hearing it differently. Yeah. So I
1: was like, good. I, this is good. I'm okay. glad to hear it. So
0: do people here accept somebody from California?
1: Uh, you, well, you. They'll accept
0: you. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know the image that some people from California yeah. have. With them. Yeah. Those, yeah. Uh, no, I, I've enjoyed your people here they've been the, they're fun they're relaxed they're interactive yeah. uh, we had a great time I thought yesterday with the interactivity the things flow the people were very interested in asking good questions making good observations and uh, today as well you have a very receptive warm congregation
1: well and I think these people thank you by now, and I will certainly pass that on uh, to them and we're doing it passing it on by uh-huh. them hearing yeah. it right now from you saying it But uh, I also think these are people who are committed to this community, and to be disciples, to be disciples, and to be disciples in this community is a it's a very rich thought for me. Because okay. you're going out into the community deeper, right. more committed. And all the topics that come up in Discipleship Essentials, your book, uh, of justice and, 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 and sharing the faith and, and being – you know, being, we were talking about stewardship a little while ago with money and, and knowing the truth and, and understanding what discipleship is about. We're, we're going out in the community that way as people who are pretty, pretty well-established in their careers and, and very well-respected in town. That's mm-hmm. our DNA. Yeah. To right. go out deeper in that DNA is that's very exciting to me. Good. So, good, so this I think this really moved it forward. Now, now to talk about your sermon a little bit, your your uh, your sermon was on the topic of the of the of the weekend, which is certainly the, the, the heart of your your ministry and right. uh, your your work as a as a pastor, your work as a as an educator, and a, uh, and your work with the GDI now. But your focus uh, this morning was on Matthew twenty eight, the, the the great commission. When you look at Matthew twenty-eight, um, what was it you you knew going in that you most wanted to communicate? That maybe people maybe they didn't necessarily see that in that passage because it because it is a familiar passage, or maybe um, they did see it. You just wanted to put a punctuation mark on that. What was it that was most on your mind with that with this
0: passage? I think two things. One is to emphasize one the context of the Great Commission with. Jesus calling his disciples to Galilee, and then trying to imagine the moment uh, in which Jesus was articulating that, starting with the statement about his authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because that, that has captured my attention uh, more in the sense of, what was the response of the disciples to Jesus stating that about himself? Uh, in some ways, you could say it could have been like, uh, well, of course, we know this because mm-hmm. we've seen in various incidents throughout your ministry prior to your crucifixion and then resurrection, your, the authority displayed. And so it could have been on one hand like, yeah, of course, yeah, we, we see that. But on the other hand, it's like it's such an astounding claim that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me that I try to visualize what the response of the disciples must have been in that moment. And I like to think of it uh, as... Uh, a worship opportunity, a time to fall before Jesus, and you know, how could you not hear that without and it does say they worshipped him, but some doubted, yeah, um, but so that worship <laughs> continued continued on, so uh, whether it's falling to your knees or falling flat on your face uh, and then in that context of that authority, Jesus offering the command of yeah. make disciples, go and make disciples of all, all nations, so I think that was one thing I was trying to sort of dramatize a bit um, and then the, secondly, just reinforce um, the, and with some strength the issue of make disciples uh, and then add to that to say, listen, this is what it's all about um, in terms of what we're, what we're going to be evaluated for. Yeah. You know, what Ultimately, we're going to have to present before the Lord in terms of how well we did uh, or what we did you know, or did we stay focused on, on this as the mission of, of the church and I know this is already your stated mission here, uh, but to just kind of uh, – I, I feel my job is to come alongside you and uh, and not obviously say anything different than you're saying, but hopefully add a punctuation uh, to it that uh, allows people to you know, stand up and take notice in a sense. You know?
1: I was thinking this thought, and, and I appreciate that that emphasis on the authority uh, as a precursor to what he said in, in the charge. Uh, and then the, the fact that this is the main mission, and you said that today. This is, this is the main mission of the church. Don't forget it. Don't yep. lose sight of it or don't drop the baton, right. as you said yeah. at the end. Um, how have you – and I know this, surely this would have come up over the, over the years. How have you responded to people who say, I don't look first to Matthew 28 for the main marching orders of the church. I look to Matthew 25. I looked at the places where Jesus gives, you know, to to, to be the the visit, visit the person in the prison and the care for the sick and the and the, and the, and the poor and the and the all this to, that that that's the main thing to to be the compassionate voice of, of of Christ. That that's the main mission, or or some other thing. I mean, uh, 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 have have others had given you pushback on right. on this um, this topic?
0: Well, I, I guess the way I would respond to that is uh, the core command make disciples has many dimensions to it There's many dimensions to being a disciple of jesus you know gives us the great commandment love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself and certainly that's a main way we carry that out or the compassion ministry as you say in matthew 25 as you've done it unto the least of these my brother you've done it unto me those are all aspects uh of you know maybe it's if you were talking about the sun and the different rays that come off the sun, um, you know there's different dimensions of what it means to be a disciple. So, yeah, you can't cover all those in a message. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, that, what that means, but you know, um, and I think that's what discipleship essentials is attempting to do. Uh, and you're looking at the character qualities of a disciple. You know, of humility, and trust, and. of the spirit and those kinds of things that's all a part of being disciple what we believe is all a part of being a disciple what is it that we believe about jesus and what he's come come to do Um, yeah i like
1: like that because it's saying that discipleship is the larger category yeah it's not saying that the matthew 25 what you did to the least of these my brothers so you did it to me are unimportant that they're that or to ignore those we're saying very much so but be, you're doing that because you know that that's, that is it's it's in your DNA that's what a disciple is that's what a disciple does you don't compel them to do it it's just you you joyfully right. do these things because you love the love the God who's behind that right. and but likewise you you know you, a mature disciple is going to worship with gusto yeah not and because I, they're help, they they must but because this because of the richness of the relationship right. with, with the father and the depth of that discipleship is going to lead to certain things
0: yeah, I guess what if I were to look at what I was trying to accomplish in Discipleship Essentials uh, is what are the multi multi dimensional nature of what it means to be a disciple. <laughs> you know, uh, what's what's Good. the I like that um, the breadth of of that concept. So we do anything from the practice of spiritual disciplines, worship being one of them, to the whole issue of you know. Who is it, what is it we believe about God or about ourselves and about what Christ has done for us and our whole belief system and then what does Christ want to do in us to make us different to what does Christ want to do through us so that we are part of his, engaged in his ministry so all these are just different dimensions of what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. So it's my attempt at a profile, I guess. I think the uh,
1: Christian Life Profile that was Randy, Randy uh, Frazee with the yeah. Pantego Bible Church. Right. I think we talked about it in, in class. Right, we did. And we he had, was one of the models. He had uh, your character. Oh yeah. Or your beliefs, rather. Core, core beliefs. And your and your uh, actions, right. and then that led to your character. Character. Yeah. What you
0: believe yeah. and what you do yeah. leads so to who you are. Lo- lots of different schemes, I guess, yeah. uh, in terms yeah. of how you could netted out in towards yeah. the core of those issues.
1: Yeah. So so one of the things that you landed on you talked about the um, you know the distinction between the, the being a Christian and being a disciple and with, the, with the with the woman um, who said I want to be a Christian I don't want to be I don't be bothered with being a disciple. <laughs> yeah. right. I love how you unpack unpack that. And then you talked about what do you do? How do you, how do you actually go about taking this command of Jesus seriously? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really kind of the rubber meets the road moment for us in, in, in this church. It's like, what does this look like practically? This right. is the question of if I were to c- come to your church and I wanted to become a mature follower of Jesus, what do I do? Yeah. And you've given the world a tool uh, that, to do that. I love how I think it was Stan Ott might have said and, 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 uh, in reference to your book, Ch- Stan Ott is a church consultant. He said yeah. he hasn't seen any other tool out there that that acts that, that does the teaching and does it in a way that's repeatable, that is a, it's a good of a tool for yeah. doing this. But what is that basic framework? For those who maybe are listening and don't really know what that, that basic framework and what the, the context is that you are proposing in the Discipleship potential microgroup?
0: Uh, what's the microgroup experience yeah. all yeah. about? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the microgroup, as the language might sound. So think of it as a midpoint between one-on-one relationship and the traditional small group. So one-on-one discipling, I always thought that was the definition of discipling, one-to-one relationship. Uh, that was certainly the early imprint that I had in my life. as Discipling? Oh, one person meeting with them, one, another person. Did that for many, many years. Um, small groups, usually in terms of traditional categories, maybe eight to 12 people, something like that, where you're getting together for fellowship, starting to share your life together and learning to practice to one another's. And so this, this smaller unit... Um, is that group of three or four, and I guess when I compare it to the one-to-one relationship, what I, when I stumbled on this group of three or four, which I did, it, was a, it wasn't something that I thought, well oh, this should be a better way to do it. No, I just happened to happen to come up on it. Uh, I started comparing it to the one-to-one relationship, and I thought, okay, what, what did I find? That, that, what I thought the limit, I'll use the word limitations, uh, one-to-one relationship. It tends to set up an authority relationship, a teacher over a student, mm. uh, a, a mature person over an immature person. And so there's that kind of uh, authority that creates a dependency. And what I realized, uh, I couldn't get people to multiply. I, couldn't, I couldn't, wasn't investing in people's lives in a way that uh, they would then say, okay, I can go do this same thing for others. And, you know, that old definition of insanity, right? You know, yeah. doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, that's what I was doing. I was kind of beating my head against the wall on this thing. Like, why isn't this working? And then two things actually came together for me within a short period of time. One was this experiment with a group of three. And so I, uh, I was doing my doctor ministry degree completion of that. And I had a, a very early version of what later became Discipleship Essentials. And uh, so we did the one-to-one relationship, did a group of ten, and did a group of three with this new curriculum that I had written up. And I was just blown away by the group of three. The energy and the dynamic, mm. the, the, wow. the, the whole sense that it, it created a circle rather than the one over another. I, as a pastor, could be in that circle and be a part of the journey with them rather than have to be the focal point and be the one who did all the feeding. You know, the, the image that I had when I was doing the one-to-one relationship was... There's a you know nest of baby birds and the baby birds have got their mouths wide open yeah. and, and the mother bird has to go out and get all the yeah. morsels and drop it in the mouth and yeah, yeah. you know, feed the birds. Like okay, that uh, gets tiring, you know, yeah. After a while and then, but if I could be a part of a group myself and then be on the journey with others, then uh, that's just so much more life giving. You're not the focal point all the time. And then the uh, way, if you don't mind, I'll tell you a little bit of the story where Discipleship Essentials came yeah. about. Um, I was perhaps, you know, frustrated, as I was just describing. But I was out jogging around the track one afternoon, as I was doing in those days. And, uh, and I don't think I was consciously thinking about discipling. But I, as I was running around the track, all of a sudden, I, I describe it as an arrow came out of the sky and felt like it just kind of went right through me. And one moment, I wasn't thinking about this at all. The next moment... I had the format of discipleship essentials in my mind. Wow! And the four parts that it had ended up being. I remember going home that day. we were very close to our going on our summer vacation time. I said to my wife, "I've got to write this tool. Uh, I feel a call to, to do this." And I said, "Can you give me the mornings on on our vacation time? Because I just want to get going on." Get this. it out of your head, yeah, on the paper, and, yeah. You know, and get going on. So. That's where that came about, and so wow. these two experiences kind of came within proximity to each other, and I felt like, okay, we've got a combination here of environment and content, put it together.
1: Wow! And so, so, yeah. so, we're a uh, th- appreciate that. I didn't know that that st- story either. Good to hear the backstory because I've taken, I'm around eight, nine, nine, ten, ten groups through the Subship Essentials myself, and yeah. it's been it's been a, 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 a wonderful ride each time, very different each time yeah. too, different experience each time. Yeah. I talked to one of
0: your guys this morning
1: did you yeah, yeah. yeah. good good um, we are a um, a church you 've seen this in the neighborhood you 've seen the church you've seen you 've seen us uh, in person now we're uh, we're a um, a an affluent mostly affluent ch- church and uh, mostly white church uh, not exclusively affluent or white uh, church but uh, uh, but um, I, I know the time we uh, yeah we 're very pre- <laughs> Presbyterian and, and not unusual for us and and uh, an 1,100-member church, about 800 people were actively involved in the church. And if you could just – we'll just wrap up with this question maybe today. Just think about your hopes for a church like this when it comes to the disciple-making journey, like what we could be uh-huh. as a disciple-making church. We've said our, that is, that's our mission, that we want to be a, a to make mature disciples of Jesus Christ. I think this weekend helped us kind of – Ooh, that's this—that's what that means. Did a little more digging into that okay. this weekend. What would, what can you see? What can you imagine for for a church like ours? Now, this is now for those who are listening, yeah. and for me who's listening right next to you. <laughs> I'm here. I want to hear what my, my professor has to say? Uh, well,
0: you know, I this may be a somewhat of a surprising answer, but when I think of the American church, I think a lot of, of about a lot of passivity. A lot of consumerism, a lot of feed me kind of approach to things. Um, you know, keep me interested, you know, that kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's all so much weight put on you and the staff to, to uh, provide for things. But if people going through a discipleship group experience can be both participants and then take the next step to initiate a group experience themselves, and be put in the forefront of that, I think that moves people from being uh, consumers to contributors. Mm. It's a whole energy level shift. And I saw this in the church in Camarillo. Whenever I went to that church, because it had, maybe by the time I got there, 100 discipleship groups moving to 120, 125, the People were so excited about being involved and being able to have their own discipleship groups. It was it was so energetic and electric in terms of that. And i sure there was massive spinoffs to other kinds of ministries uh, that that occurred uh, as well. And people would come up to me with their books in their hand, and they would they would so they they used to use these little emblems on their books. Okay, here's my first book, group, and their little. Yeah, yeah. Stickers that they put on their book, and now now my group has multiplied. And this is who's in my book, and this is the one this is who's in these other people's groups, and and they would be so excited to show me their involvement in this discipleship process. They were no longer waiting for somebody to pump them up. You know, okay, here we got to go again. You know, I see your football over there; it needs to be pumped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, pastors have to keep pumping up. You know that kind of thing, and. They didn't have to pump up these people, you know, after a while. They were just, if if they needed volunteers for an event, boom, they were there. You know, if they needed money to pay off the debt of the church, boom, the money was there. Uh, and so, and then so spreading you, out into the community as well in terms yeah. of their ministries and beyond. Um, so I think you know, it's, it's a very basic turn that occurs in somebody's life when they shift from being a receiver to a giver. Uh, so... And then you know, once that happens, boom! It just yeah. starts to go.
1: Well, I can imagine this for 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 any church in Christendom to move to, to move the needle, move the needle, or or reach that tilting point where the majority of people move from passive recipients to active contributors, right. to from from receiving ministry to doing ministry, from being a spiritual adult to being a spiritual parent. These uh, great yeah. words from yesterday. Yeah to be a spiritual parent where they are birthing new disciples and, and, and sort of moving things forward. Yeah. Any church in Christendom and I, and I we are part of I would put ourselves firmly as part of that will be tremendously benefit, will tremendously benefit from that.
0: Yeah. And you'll have a great time as a pastor <laughs> watching <Well, I> <laughs> watching well, that happen. Yeah, you know, in can. terms of saying that occur because you, know, you get no greater delight than seeing people come alive to what their own potential is. Uh, it doesn't have to be all rely on your shoulders. I mean, we have some pastors who would actually be opposed to that, right? Because then what's my job if all these other people uh, are running around uh, with energy? That's a
1: different and, model of ministry. Though. It's, a, it's, that's, it's all about the pastor. is a kind of a Hollywood, you know, look at me, I'm the super, superstar model right. as opposed to what you're describing. <laughs> right. You're describing you're describing an empowerment model exactly. you are empowered by the spirit of God to go and, and make disciples so go make go. disciples Greg thank you so much for being here we've uh, somebody said a little while ago at lunchtime that we've uh, we've, we've, we've um, rode you hard and put you up weight, wet here we've, we've been working you hard this weekend so we're going to go get, get a couple hours before we have a, a dinner with the group tonight but really appreciate you being here it's great to reconnect with you after all these, all these years and I have the feeling it won't be the last time in the, in the, in the, in the days that. and years ahead so thank you very much